welcome to Medicare Advantage for Health Plans podcast. Insider insights and perspectives on current trends for health plan professionals. This program is sponsored by UST HealthProof and AdvantageSure. Services and technology solutions for government-sponsored health plans. Today, we're talking about shifting measures in STARS, making the quick pivot with guest expert Michelle Simon. Michelle has over 15 years of experience in quality programs. She started on the commercial side with the quality rating system and transitioned into the STAR space where she spent the majority of her career. Michelle has a master's degree in organizational leadership and a postgraduate certificate in healthcare informatics and data analytics. Welcome, Michelle. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Michelle, there have been some significant changes in the weight of STAR measures. It seems the 2022 final rule has been essentially reversed in some areas. Can you tell me a little bit more about this and how plans have received this information? Sure. A few years ago, the weight measurements were doubled from a two times weight to a four times weight for some of our operations and caps measures that were really focused on patient experience. And so this was pretty significant. As expected, plans invested heavily in those measures to help move the needle. Now, CMS is proposing to walk back this change and reduce the weight back to a two times weight. It's really interesting to see the shift. CMS has indicated the shift is based on stakeholder feedback. We all know this is going to impact, translate, decrease plans quality bonus payments. So some of the investments, though, that plans have made are long term. This is really significant that members are still going to be positively impacted because these investments just can't be turned on or off quickly. Can you give a few examples of the types of investments that were made in response to the 2022 rule? Yeah, of course. Plans invested in long-term programs. We know member experience isn't a small thing. It's embedded in every facet of healthcare delivery. So plans had to enhance the way customer service teams interacted with members, they invested in member retention packages, and they invested in member platforms to provide a more digital experience. I read a study recently about ME enrollment. It said that about a third of new enrollments used an e-broker as compared to just five years ago. And this electronic shift is a big part of the member experience investment. Many MA members are reporting they use electronic resources to help them understand their benefits, manage their prescriptions, and navigate their physician networks. So delivering this digital approach to meet members where they're at is considered essential to the member experience, and it's really turning into table stakes. Plans also have partnered with providers to make sure providers have the tools and resources they need to support our members. This could look like ensuring providers have up-to-date technology for same-day visits and remote appointments, or even embedding resources directly into the office to support appointment scheduling, record retrieval, and coding. It also looks like working with our PBMs to implement programs that ensure access to care for members, things like lower copays, mail-order drugs, 100-day fills. You know, there's a lot of different approaches to maximize value for the members. At the end of the day, these investments were made, and the overall effect is members are getting a better experience because plans reacted to the measure weight increases. So even though the measure weights may be redacted, the investments are already there, and members are going to continue to feel these benefits of the enhancements. Let's talk about regulatory updates that relate to the reward factor. Oh, yeah, this is a good one. So CMS conducts an analysis of all STAR measures across each plan. If a plan has high and stable performance, they can receive what's called the reward factor. So this gives plans a STAR rating increase that can range between a 0.1 to a 0.4. So if we're adding a 10th 
20th or 40th of a point, that can significantly boost your overall star rating. And this is generally applied to plans that already have high performance. So for example, if a plan already has a four star rating, this could bump them up to the four and a half star range. But this is scheduled to be removed with the 2025 measure year and the 2027 star year. So as a result, some Medicare Advantage plans are going to see a decline in their star ratings and CMS will of course see an impact, which would include extensive savings to plans quality bonus payments. CMS is proposing to replace this reward factor with a new health equity index. This new index aggregates contract performance among the enrollees with social risk factors across multiple star measures into a single score. This will be compared across contracts. This takes these social risk factors like income subsidies, or if a member has dual eligibility, or if they have a disability, and brings this into the scores. Plans that have a high portion of members that fall into that space and have a positive health equity index will get a lift to their overall and summary ratings, and they'll be rewarded. This is really interesting, and you can see that CMS is trying to promote and make sure that health plans are trying to attract members that truly need care. In a sense, this is replacing the reward factor. Again, what we're going to see here is savings for the MA program, and that's estimated at about $5 billion over the following 10 years. As a result of these, the removal of the reward factor will cause an initial decline in Medicare Advantage plan star ratings, but if the plans perform well for their underserved members, they'll then get a bonus tied to that performance. So the health equity index is intended to be a counterbalance to the removal of the reward factor? Yep. And that's how CMS does things. They're constantly evaluating the program and methodology changes, and they continue to make tweaks. We saw it with the disaster policy and the impacts of COVID. Plans were allowed to choose the better of their measures from the prior year's performance or the year calculated during the disaster. They got to pick and choose at the measure level which rating they wanted to have. So if you did great on some of your measures, you picked those. But if your performance declined, you picked a prior year's performance the better of. And so this policy really inflated the star ratings. The market saw an unparalleled amount of plans with four stars and hardly any plans losing its star rating, which that's a natural fluctuation of the program. And the disaster policy has since been updated. And so it's no longer applicable. And we're seeing plans now revert back to their actual plan performance and the clustering methodology that CMS uses. So performance across plans has declined, but it is expected to level out. Another thing to consider is that the bonus money is paid out off of the four-star plan and the enrollment for that plan two years later. Generally, most plans are growing, so if a plan gets a four-star rating this year and their enrollment doubles, it's even better for the plan because the bonus will reflect that enrollment increase. And CMS cannot continue to pay out at this pace. It's unsustainable. So CMS is continuing to move the yardstick and this challenges and encourages greater and greater performance across the plans. Let's talk more about the point system and the impact of the different measure weights. Yeah, the overall premise of the STAR program is that it's a combination of, say, 40 to 45 measures that span across five broad categories. So this includes outcomes, intermediate outcomes, patient experience, access, and process. And we've got single-weighted, double-weighted, even some measures that are up to five times weighted. And so CMS pulls this program together, and they continuously shift it and modify it, though. So what we're seeing throughout the years is they're shifting what is the rating contribution of each of those categories. So for instance, 
Ketis and pharmacy were very strong, heavily weighted measures in the early years, and those measures are easier for plans to impact. For example, let's take breast cancer screening. Their measure specifications are set up so you know exactly who falls into the measure and how to close the gap. So if I have a population of 500 members in that measure, I can easily calculate the performance I want and implement initiatives to work towards a certain score. This can guarantee high performance because it's easy to measure and to monitor. But then there's more difficult categories to move, like CAPS, which is based on a member survey that goes out the year following the member's experience. These measures initially started at a one and a half times weight, then they were moved to a two times weight, then they were moved to a four times weight. So this steady increase on the weight has impacted their contribution to the overall star rating, while simultaneously decreasing the impact of the other categories like the HEDIS measures, which were more actionable and easier to move. Plans that were high performing in the clinical categories like HEDIS and pharmacy are being impacted because if they underperform in CAPS, it's going to have a higher impact to their overall star rating. They're not going to be able to make up for it by having cancer screenings done. They really have to focus on member perception, and we all know that's difficult to predict and also difficult to move. There are some other changes that will bring headwinds to the stars, and that's the introduction of the Tukey outlier deletion. So CMS uses a clustering methodology to calculate the cut points that determine performance across the program. And this deletion method will eliminate the impact that outliers have historically had on cut points. We all know CMS doesn't tell plans how they did until after they've compared the results to other plans. While we have really great models to predict and we get really close, it's still challenging because there are some of those outliers. So a few plans could have really poor performance and the clustering methodology that's applied to get the cut points will really drag that range down. This can inadvertently decrease the industry's overall performance. So by removing the outliers, this naturally shifts the clustering to the right and makes those thresholds harder to earn. This can help stabilize plan performance and the ability to do projections, but it's also difficult to accomplish. So let's say there's an instance where we have one plan that gets 50% on a measure, and they're that one-star plan. Everyone else is in the 70% range. That's my next cut point. If I remove that 50% plan, now my one-star is increasing up to that 70. So it just condenses the upper ranges of the cut points and really makes it more difficult for plans to achieve higher performance. Michelle, let's go back and define a cut point and explain that scoring system. Yeah, so a cut point is created based on the clustering methodology that CMS uses to determine statistically significant gaps between performance. So this is the level a plan has to hit to be given a specific star rating. There's a cluster of plans performing at, say, 50%. That's your one star range. Then we have another cluster of plans performing at 65. That's your two star range. And let's say there's a gap until 80%. CMS tries to find the most statistically significant areas of variation to define the star ratings, and that means scores in the same star rating are as similar as possible. And so thresholds, which is another way that we say cut points, for instance, CAPS measures can be a single point variance. Thresholds for customer service recently have been at an 88, 89, 91, and 92. Just a one point difference between a four-star plan and a five-star plan, and that's a really tight threshold. And that's why it's also so important to outperform the industry just enough so you can get above your competitors. And it really all drives down to the math path of strategically directing your efforts and resources towards the highest impact. So even though I may not perform well in one measure, that could be okay because I'm performing better in a higher heavily weighted measure and it's having more of an impact. 
I see. So strategically placing efforts in areas that are going to maximize ROI, you want to focus on areas that are going to move the needle. Exactly. SARS is very much a math game. There's a lot of inputs. We gather a lot of data. We model out our best predictions on where we think our data is going to land so we can secure that four-star threshold. And we know that's at a 3.75 or higher. That's the minimum we need to hit to make sure we're considered a four-star plan. And it's very much a math game. So I have to take all of my 40 to 45-ish measures. I want to manipulate, play with them to see which ones I need to move and by how much to get on that path to four-star. So if I'm a three-star plan and I want to get to four, I'm going to evaluate my performance and say, okay, here's where my strong performers are. Here's my mid-level and here's what I need to improve on. Then I'm going to put some initiatives in play that really focus on the areas of opportunity and where I need to improve. It's a math path to figure out how many measures at what weight will put you in the correct four-star range. In most cases, I need to get a calculated lift across a few measures across multiple categories. And so that's really why it's a game of playing with the numbers. You have to make sure that you're investing your resources wisely so you can obtain stable performance. And we do this really well. On a monthly basis, we have documentation and reporting for our clients to reevaluate and ensure we're on the correct path. This way, we're constantly validating that the investment dollars are where they should be. And if they're not where we want them to be, we can put tactics into place and refocus. Whether that's initiating some internal process improvements, streamlining our experiences, or focusing on more targeted inventions to help improve clinical outcomes, we're constantly making moves for improvement. This sounds very dynamic with constant evaluation, constant shifting and iteration. Absolutely. You really have to pay attention to the data. It's constantly changing and you have to consider what we know today is based on how we understand the program historically. CMS is constantly tweaking and approving regulatory changes that impact the math path, and that's accounted for in our modeling. For example, if we think that CMS will remove a measure in the future, even if it's not happening now, we have to think about what happens when this measure does go away, especially if it's a high-performing measure for a certain plan. We need to adjust our math path to accommodate for that potential loss in performance. How do you predict for the changes from CMS? Yeah, that's a great question. So CMS does follow a rulemaking process that takes about two years. There are several different publications that they share with us, such as an advance notice and a final rule, but we truly do not know the full program until the technical specifications are published. So we build different modeling scenarios to prepare for a whole spectrum of the worst case to the best case. What data streams are you analyzing? Yeah, so we have five main categories that we monitor. So first is clinical data, which includes clinical HEDIS and clinical pharmacy. We also have operational data and then member perception data, and that includes CAP survey and HOSS, which is the health outcome survey. We also heavily monitor improvement, which is its own category. Improvement takes a subset of all the measures identified and compares performance from last year to this year. And if you have statistically significant increase, you earn improvement. If you earn enough improvement across all measures, it is a five times weighted measure, so you can get a higher star for that measure, which will have a positive high impact to your overall star rating. Conversely, if your improvement declines year over year, you can earn a negative improvement factor and you'll be rated lower. So if you get a one to two star improvement rating, which again is a five times weight, it can hurt your overall star rating. So what's the general perception coming from plans on the reversal of the member experience weight and these other upcoming changes? In the industry, the chatter seems to portray excitement and maybe a little bit of apprehension because there is so much change coming in all at once. And it's significant change that we haven't had in a long time. 
But I'm really excited to be in this space right now and to be able to work with the teams I work with and to know that what we're doing has a positive impact on our members. It's just, I think that's absolutely phenomenal. I think about my parents and their Medicare age and knowing that CMS is really trying to advocate for the members is encouraging and exciting. Michelle, thanks so much for joining us today and educating us on what's to come in the STARS program. Thank you for having me. It's been awesome to be here. I love talking about STARS. To all our listeners, if you enjoyed this episode, follow on Apple and share it with colleagues on LinkedIn. This program was brought to you by UST HealthProof and AdvantageSure. From end-to-end core administrative processing, risk adjustment and quality, to clinical operations, care management and member acquisition, we offer a full suite of services and technology solutions for government-sponsored health plans.